This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joy podcast from LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more information and tons of other podcasts, head to joy.org.au. Speaking of democracy and all things political, let me introduce the host of the Foster Report on Joy 94.9. It is, of course, Richard Foster. Dee, Warren, great to be back. Dave. What do you got for us this week? What's happening in the world of political intrigue? Would you like me to start with local government, perhaps, seeing as um, that, that's where you finished up there, Dee? Yep. The... Um Especially in the city of Melbourne, as you point out, um, I guess local government elections are starting to attract a little attention now. Not the first time the uh, city of Melbourne has had a, a postal election, though. They've done it the last few times. It'll be new for a lot of other councils, though, around Victoria this time round. Two main front runners in the city of Melbourne uh, have emerged. Lord Mayor Sally Camp, of course, and her deputy Aaron Wood running against her. Uh, Sally, I think, is generally regarded as a pretty safe set of hands. She's been well-received, especially after the calamity of Robert Doyle. And it's been pretty common knowledge, uh, especially more recent times, that Aaron Wood hasn't altogether enjoyed working with Sally Cap, and perhaps that's evident from him now running against her. It's interesting now to see how politics enters even a local government campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's... uh, it's interesting watching how the two candidates are advertising. Now, if you live in the city of Melbourne, you probably would have started seeing internet ads coming from the, from the main candidates. Sally Capp's ads are very much just relying on her. It's, it's her running again, and if you like it, vote for me. There, there isn't a lot of messaging in there. It's not claiming any particular success. Uh, it's, it's not trying to direct the voter in any one particular direction other than vote for me. Well, there's two uh, schools of thought, is there not, that in, mm. in the time of great uh, influx and turmoil that, that people will uh, be attracted to the incumbent or Indeed. that they'll go, oh, this is all shit, I've got to throw it out with the <laughs> baby out with the bathwater. Well, that's that's right. That's right. It's uh, So in contrast, you've got Aaron Wood's campaign, decidedly negative in mm. that advertising. Really trying to draw attention to what Aaron obviously feels are shortcomings on the part of Sally Cap. It's interesting, though, the four things that he points out that he believes uh, Sally Cap has failed on are commitments to deliver a high-line park, redeveloping the Queen Victoria market, extending the free tram zone and tackling homelessness. Now, three of those issues were actually the very same issues that he ran on with the former Lord Mayor, Robert Doyle, and still haven't been delivered while he was in office either. Oh, so he so, was on the Doyle ticket and he's, he's, he a, he's a carryover for Sally Cap. Like she well, in, inherited uh, him. Uh, yeah, well, he was, um, he was left with a number of other candidates after Robert Doyle was forced to resign mm. um, and he's now running against Sally Cap. yeah. Oh, um, is it fair to say that that relationship is now sullied? Oh, I think that's, uh, yeah, exceedingly fair. It's um, demonstrably evident, yeah. yeah. Mm. I've never got um, interested in the city of Melbourne, even though I know it's, uh, well, I work here. I've always thought it was for the, I guess there are residents in the city of Melbourne and increasingly so, but I've always thought of it as a sort of traders' war, really. It feels to me like it's not a residential election. Uh, I don't think that's an unfair comment, Dee. I mean, the, the reality in the city of Melbourne is that the very construct of the council and indeed the voting system is markedly different to any other council. Mm. It, it operates under its own act. It doesn't operate under the same act as all the other councils. So residents in the city of Melbourne essentially only get one vote, as you might imagine, one vote per person. Mm. Businesses, however, get two votes per business. 
So there is a distinct weighting in favour of, of um, a business vote. Well, we should give every 16-year-old that ever comes into the City of Melbourne three votes <laughs> and that ought, to, I, that ought to sort it out. Richard, what did you uh, think of the uh, federal budget? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Warren. Look, <laughs> I've got to say, look, I, I'm putting it down to a big gamble, a very mm. big gamble. This, this budget relies a lot on unknowns. One of the main unknowns that it relies on, though, is a coronavirus vaccine by the end of next year. Yes. Now, when we're talking about gambles, this is about as big as you get. This is a gamble worth nearly a trillion dollars on having a vaccine within about 12 months. Uh, look, I, I don't tend to gamble, but if I did, it probably wouldn't be a trillion bucks on that. The way that they're spending the money is interesting too, though, and it's it's not altogether bad, but by and large, I think there's some missed opportunities here. We've got to remember, recessions are usually driven by a demand problem. It was the case in uh, the Depression in the 1930s, in the recession of the early 90s, but it is different now. And this one's different because we now have both a supply and a demand problem. Supply mm -hmm. chains have been fractured by the pandemic. Demand has also plummeted. So the government's trying to stimulate both supply and demand here. They're stimulating so, or trying to stimulate supply by offering early tax write-offs for business. So this basically means businesses can go out there, buy an asset and claim it against their, uh, their taxable income in the first year. Normally, they've got to wait a few years to do that, mm. usually. There's tax cuts for the rest of us. But let's look at the business but, just for a minute. Sorry, Richard, sorry go just, on. Just on the tax cuts, yeah. I noticed that uh, if, you, if you take home greater than 90K, so for the bigger end of town, you get a mm. bigger tax cut. So it really is that trickle-down ideology, isn't it? Well, so they would hope, yeah, mm. that's right. For those earning between forty and 90000 a year, you're looking at around a th paying $1,000 a year less mm. in tax when you break that down. Um, it's around 20 bucks a week. But it's also backdated to the 1st of July this year, and here's oh. a missed opportunity for you. It might have helped the, uh, the stimulus of the economy if you were to drop a few hundred bucks in someone's hand at any given point in time. They are more likely to spend it that way. But at the moment, even though it's backdated, from the time that it's passed so, or implemented, so that'll be within the next few weeks, if you're earning between forty and 90000 a year, you'll get an extra 20 bucks a week. Mm. I don't see that amounting to a hell of a lot of stimulus. But if we'd have had the back payment in one hit, mm. that might have been all right. That might have helped a few months worth of 20 bucks a week, yeah, a few hundred dollars in somebody's hand might mean that they could go out and spend it uh, more generously. But does the ATO uh, have access to that immediately? They would be able to backdate it. It's a bit like um, what Kevin Rudd did by sending out uh, checks for $900 to yeah. everyone. Tellies, um, all right. Tellies for everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That's the widescreen TV mm. cash handout. Yeah, look, it, it could have been done again, but again, opportunity missed. Far be it from me to be cynical, but just think about it this way. Um, look, I'm, if I was to bet on anything, and I said I don't, but if I was to do it, I'd be putting money on an election towards the end of next yeah. year. I'm pretty confident we're did, going to an early election. It did have a lot of um, election-ready promises in there, didn't it? Well, have a think about when the benefit of that backdating uh, of the tax cuts going to happen. Mm. That benefit is going to get paid to people when they do their tax returns at the end of this financial year. It means they're getting the money in around August of next year. Mm. A few hundred bucks in their pocket, well, might just uh, cause a few people to think a bit more favourably towards a government that's now going to an election only in a couple of months' time 
from then. You know, I'd hate to say this about politics, but look, there was a it was a premier of New South Wales back in the 30s. His name was Jack Lang. He had a fantastic comment that he made about politics, and I reckon you could live by it. Both Malcolm Turnbull and Paul Keating are famous for re-quoting it, and it goes like this: "In the race of life, always back self-interest." And I, yeah. I reckon mm. he was absolutely right. Well, you know who's self-interested and probably could have done with a hand out is women who have children. Yeah, no childcare yeah. at yeah. all. The other thing absolutely. too, Richard, is um, you know, if the, let's say there is no uh, coronavirus vaccine, is net migration as well. I think it's going from 154,000 to 72,000. So that will not be uh, increasing consumption as well. You're spot on. You've got a lot less people spending no money mm. and uh, it can only hurt the economy. And this is where some opportunities have been missed in the budget. We we could have had people stimulating the economy with more cash in their hands now, but it's been kicked down the road, I'm going to say cynically, probably for electoral purposes. But it's look, it's also given an opportunity to Anthony Albanese and, and you've touched on something mm. really interesting there. It's exposed a real gap in government policy. And I mean, looking at the way after Tuesday's, last Tuesday's budget, the way the government was really scrambling to plug this hole that they'd created for themselves, leaving it out there that they really were doing nothing about women and indeed leaving them far more exposed to the worst effects of the economy. Yes. Um, and allowing Labor to come in with a really proactive policy to address that. The scrambling was amazing to watch. I mean, you, you're seeing government ministers out there saying, oh, well, that's okay, women still drive on all the same roads we do. Yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> I, I would have thought most women could do that anyway. Uh, Richard, the other thing that I'll briefly mention that was snuck into, they've classified renewable energy as a mm. mature technology, um, meaning that it's successful enough and no longer needs any government support, yet they're willing yeah. to s- subsidise, you know, the coal uh, industry. So, anyway, I just wanted to well, Although that. natural gas obviously needs a lot of support, Warren. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That's yeah. that's the thing. It's very sneaky of them. I've got to say, it's just in closing, because we've got to move on, Richard, that um, mm. the negative population growth is, is not helped by the fact that we just keep offshoring all our bad politicians. That's, a, that's, a, that's not helping anybody, is it? We say stop the boats. <laughs> stop the outgoing boats. Um, so. Thanks so much, Richard Foster. We'll see you this time next week. See you next week. Thanks, thanks Richard. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more podcasts or to support Joy by becoming a member, donating or subscribing, head to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.